Hello, and welcome to another episode of the RodeoKids.com podcast. I'm your host, Erica Heckman, and today we are talking with PRCA Timer and Great Lakes Circuit Secretary, Chris Fleener. Thank you so much for doing this call and talking to me. Yeah, no problem. We can just start and jump right into it. You want to tell me a little bit about yourself and kind of how you got introduced into rodeo? Well, my name is Chris Fleener, and I was pretty much born into rodeo. Um, my dad rode a lot of amateurs, so he had a lot of bareback, saddle bronc, and bull riding. Um, my parents actually met in a 4-H club, so I was raising horses, and so we kind of were always around it. We didn't live too far from the Barnes Ranch. So we'd go up there and help and help with the buck outs, and I carried flags for Barnes's and just kind of grew from there. I actually had my permit, um, a WPRA permit, when I was 18 and did a little bit of that and went to college, was on the rodeo club for a little bit. Just kind of kept on. It's just kind of a lifestyle I was raised in. Yeah. Was it something that you just always wanted to do and your parents encouraged it, or was it something that they kind of put you into and you grew to love it? It was, I mean, it was just something that our family did together. We always had horses. My dad was a farrier, too. My mom was exceptionally knowledgeable about horses. If you ever had a any kind of a question or problem, whether it was training or showing or, you know, hey, Mom, I like this horse. You know, what do you think? I mean, she's an exceptional resource for that. So we actually, as a family, all of us could participate in showing. And my parents were big parts of uh, an association produce horse shows in northwest Iowa all summer long. That was something we could do as a family, and that was something that we could do everything from halter and showmanship and the pleasure classes, and then they had game classes as well. And then they were very supportive. They always, My mom would take me to um, Charlie and Renee Kinney's um, for lessons, you know, kind of improve my barrel racing. They always make sure that if there was jackpots, they'd make sure that we could go to the jackpots and um, participate in those series. So they were always very supportive. Never felt like I had to do anything I didn't want to. Um, they kind of let us take the lead, made sure we had some opportunities available to us to to do the things that we wanted. And as we grew up, you know, I, my youngest sister and I were more the barrel racing. My middle sister was more interested in the pleasure. Uh, she didn't really like to go fast, which is kind of ironic because she was the one who went on to be Miss Rodeo Iowa, and she works for now rides with the Cowgirl Historical Foundation and does the drills and all that and go fast. So it's just kind of <laughs> interesting how we've all kind of come around to to the rodeo and the and to that lifestyle. So yeah. in our own ways. Yeah, that's so cool. And I didn't know that you're the Great Lakes Circuit Secretary now? Yes, yes. That is so cool. And I always knew that you were a timer also. How did you step into those roles and decide that you wanted to go that way? So, actually, I had been with the Dayton Rodeo. I was the treasurer for that saddle club, and that was part of the Dayton Rodeo responsibilities um, for the saddle club treasurer was that you were basically the secretary and the timer for the amateur events. And at the time, Dayton had their well-known wild horse race, but also at the time they had um, some rough stock events and junior bulls that I had to take entries for, calculate the payouts and time. And when Survey Championship Rodeo started producing the rodeos in Dayton, then I worked with those timers. I was in the office with the staff um, must have made a, a fairly good impression because then in 
2009, Binion approached me and asked if I was interested in become, getting my card and becoming a timer. And it was always something I was curious about, but I'd never really had the opportunity before. So in order to become a timer, you have to intern at a set number of rodeos, work a couple different rodeos and a certain number of performances and get evaluated by the secretary, the other timers, and a judge and then you submit your application and if it's approved then you are allowed to buy your card and congratulations you're a PRCA timer and so I was actually fortunate enough the secretary that I interned with and the timer was Brenda Crowder who was the 2020 timer of the year and Brenda was also the 2019 secretary of the year and then Shauna Ray is the timer that initially trained me and she was the 2019 timer of the year so I got off to a really great start they're two absolutely wonderful women and obviously recognized in the in the organization for their skills and their talents so I had a really good start and then I've also been privileged to work with a lot of really great secretaries and timers Sunny Deb Backstrom she needs no introduction if you're in the PRCA she's been there done that getting recognized she's just fabulous I also work with Jackie Northrup she's awesome as well and a lot of really great timers um, Tony Hughes Mary Bruner Toby Dunleavy Courtney Moorhead Corey Moorhead all of them and then we all learn from each other and just kind of have those opportunities and experiences to get a little bit sharper get a little bit better at your job but when you have a good first start as I was fortunate enough to have it sure did kick a lot of things off yeah and um then getting into the circuit secretary it was just kind of one of those things I had timed my very first Great Lakes circuit finals in 2014 2015 I was asked to come down and help the contract personnel director with the flags so for this run sponsor flags and kind of hurt hurt the queens where they needed to be and make sure all the sponsor flags were run like they were supposed to 2016 i was like well i don't really have a specific job and i kind of had to be home to take care of chores my husband and a friend of ours went down to help at circuit finals and my husband pulls in the driveway and he's on the phone and he's like here's second knowledge talk to her and it was the circuit president wayne knutson had called my husband and asked if i'd be interested in being the circuit secretary and i got offered the job right there so i've been circuit secretary uh, officially since january 2017 so this will be my fourth year that's, doing that job that's so cool it's cool when you get to be surrounded with people who they are so talented and the best in the industry definitely you just get a good start at what you're doing yeah, you get a good start and you, you really learn a lot about the backstories and how things work and the biggest thing about um, to be successful at anything is being open to open to listening and you just kind of step back a little bit and you listen a lot more than you talk for quite a while and then as you get to know things, you know, you can definitely bring bring some of your own into the table. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, how is the Great Lakes Circuit Secretary position different than just the Rodeo Secretary? How is that set up in the PRCA? So, the Rodeo Secretaries are a world to, unto their own. The Rodeo Secretaries, they work for the stock contractor. They need to go into um, the systems and they have to download all the rodeo contestant information. They make the programs. Um, they take the entries. They, you know, make help do the draws. They basically are the rodeo secretary, so they do all that. 
circuit secretary is basically I'm I call myself I'm the administrative assistant to the president so all of the circuit business is stuff that the circuit president and his board manage so our big thing is we make sure that we communicate to the contestants in our circuit we get two mailings a year um, just basically their information, things they need to know. Are you know? Do they need to pay their dues? Where's the circuit finals? What's happening? What time are they supposed to be at certain places and all that? We also take a lot of the administrative stuff of circuit finals. So you know, it's contracts with the venue. It's the ordering of the coats, setting up the hospitality room, um, making sure we have everything for the sponsor flags. You know, have those the flags and the organizing the stock um you know there, we've got a director that he picks the, the rough stock director picks the stock that's going to come to the circuit finals and he's on the board so he's part of that making sure everyone gets paid um making sure the budget balances sending out the thank you notes after the rodeo filling out and mailing the 1099s for tax season oh, those man. are the things that fall into my my realm of responsibilities so kind of the way to separate is the rodeo secretary she is the integral cog for the rodeos themselves a circuit secretary is kind of helps with the circuit finals and make sure that all the contestants have the information they need to do their circuit finals we make sure also my job is to make sure that those that have qualified for the ram circuit finals i make sure that they get entered you know that's something that the president's need to do and that's part of my job is to help Wayne get them their coat sizes and make sure all the information gets sent out to them so that they can go to Kissimmee um, in April this year. So you get a lot of the uh, maybe a little bit less fun stuff but then a lot of it's so important I mean making sure everybody gets to go compete and gets to their paycheck I'm sure the contestants uh, really appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They like to know what they're supposed to be doing and they like to know that what they have coming to them is, is what they're getting, so. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. How does it work then, because you've timed at circuit finals before, mm -hmm. can you still time while you're the circuit secretary, or how does that work? Yeah, and actually, I'm also the contract personnel director. So that means, like, all the contract personnel, the announcers, the timers, the bullfighters, the pickup men, the barrel men, all of those are contract personnel, and I'm their representative. So I was a little bit concerned about that, you know, because I was like, well, if I'm their director, then I'm not eligible to be the timer, right? Nope, that's not the case. I just don't participate in the selection of who's going to be the secretary and the timers. The rest of the board will make that decision, and then I'm still eligible to, to time. So what helps is, as the circuit secretary, the majority of my job I can complete uh, prior to the rodeo, and then basically... Yeah, I might get tied up in a meeting or have to shuffle some stuff, but when it's time to draw two hours before the rodeo, I'm able to be there and do that and help with the postings, do my secretary job, and then after the rodeo is complete, then I can pick up my pick up my secretary duties after the rodeo part's done for the day. So it gets a little bit more complex as the contract personnel director in our circuit. The contract personnel director is the one who's in charge of the sponsor flags and and doing those flag runs. So in those cases, when I'm selected to be timer at circuit finals, then I actually call on some trusted people. And I've got one guy in particular. He does a fabulous job. I know he's got it in great hands. 
So when I find out that I'm timing the rodeo, then I just give him a call and say, hey, I need you to come down to circuit finals and be in charge of the sponsor flags. And I kind of help him get a little bit organized before it starts. But then at rodeo time, he's in charge and I don't have to worry about it. I can focus on my timing. Yeah, that's awesome. And what's the process for getting qualified or selected as a timer at the circuit finals? So the requirement is you actually have to apply. They have an online application now. You renew your dues for the year, pay your dues, and then at any time between when you pay, renew your dues for the year and May 1st, you have to go online through the membership portal on the PRCA website and apply. You can apply for certain circuit finals or all the circuit finals. You apply for Ram circuit finals, um, the NFR, and the steer roping national finals. You can apply for all of those, and then that generates a list of applicants. And then through the year, you have to time, for circuit finals, you have to time a minimum of four rodeos per year in order to be eligible. So then the board will take, the way that our circuit does it, the board takes the list of eligible candidates and makes their selections. And then I verify that those selections are eligible because a lot of times what happens is we have to have our selections turned in by the first week of September. It's usually like the Friday after Labor Day. Well, Great Lakes Circuit still has quite a few rodeos, and we have some timers that they're the rodeos that they're contracted for are scheduled later in the year. So it does take a little bit of reach now. It's like, okay, has she met her requirement for the number of rodeos for the year? And if she hasn't, you know, I usually will reach out to her and be like, hey, you got any more rodeos scheduled? You might want to find another rodeo because you are on list. We'd like to have you come in time circuit finals. For circuit finals, it's a, it's a count of four rodeos that year that you would be eligible to be selected. That's really cool. It's interesting that you have to go apply yourself to be on the list to be selected. That's something that I didn't know. Yeah, and that's actually, they have it where basically all contract personnel need to apply. And I know this was on another podcast, um, and the, the podcast presenters were, were kind of critical of of this requirement because there was a there was a timer who uh, didn't get her application in and she was selected for the NFR but she was unable to, to do it because she had missed the application she didn't apply oh man and yeah so it's pretty big bummer and so these podcasters were discussing how they didn't think that was right you know you shouldn't have to apply but my point is, you know, you have this pool, say, and I'd have to look in the book, you know, say roughly there's 300 timers and the selection committee for the NFR, you know, if they have this list of 300 timers and they pull their three timers out and call these three timers and they say, oh, no, you know, my mom's sick. I'm not going to be able to do the NFR or, you know, my job won't let me go. Or I'm going to have a baby or whatever, various reasons. So then they're just going through and calling and calling and calling until they get three people. Yeah. Does it, is it, does it make more sense to say, okay, if you want it, throw your hat in the ring and then we will choose from the people, you know, they've got all these people thrown in the ring. Have they met there? Cause you have to do eight rodeos to be eligible to sign the NFR. So they'll pull their list. Okay. Has she done eight rodeos? Yes. And then here's the ones they choose from. And then you've already cut a lot of the the folks who just wouldn't be interested or can't do it or don't want to do it anymore. Because actually on the timers list, there's quite a few people on there that retain their timer card that haven't timed a rodeo in a while. But, you know, you've got it, so you just will keep it. I mean, 
there's a couple stock contractors I'm like oh I didn't know he had a timer's card but for whatever reason you know he had it but it's like I I know fully well that he's not time to rodeo in 15 years you know yeah well that definitely I can see where it can make the selection process for the people that have to make those calls it makes it a lot more efficient and it's making their job a lot easier is that a new change you've always had to apply really um uh, yeah ever since i've had my card and that's been since 2010 you always had to apply and in the past it was a it was a mailer card you would get a card in the mail you check the the events you wanted to be considered for and mail it back they went electronic oh it's probably the third or fourth year so this time i know she's she applied you know and i just don't know you know she forgot about it or had a glitch or whatever actually happened that she didn't manage to get her her application in i'm not sure i gotta talk to her about it i didn't bring it up last year we only worked one rodeo together but we'll we'll be talking (laughs) (laughs) when when you're sitting up there in the timers booth you got time to talk about a lot of things so it just didn't get brought up last year we had too many other things to catch up on i can only imagine Speaking of that, sitting in the timers booth and getting to be around all these people, is that one of your favorite things about your job as a timer, or what, what is your favorite thing about timing? Oh, the favorite thing about timing is probably kind of being in the know. You know, you get to see, you get to see a lot, and you don't get to see a lot. So you get, you know, you're, you're helping the secretary, so you get to see a lot of the contestants and visit a little bit when they come in to, to check in and get their numbers. Uh, this seems to be a congregational place. A lot of the cowboys will come in to visit, you know, visit with the judges. They'll come in to visit with the secretary. Or sometimes, you know, even us timers get visitors in the office <laughs> before the rodeo and get to catch up. You get to meet a lot of people. You get to hear a lot of the road stories. And um, as you go down the rodeo, you know, you're going to different rodeos and you're seeing each other at the same places and you get to definitely develop friendships. So that's probably about one of my favorite things about time. And it's just getting to meet everybody and kind of knowing what happens you know out in that arena a lot of times all you're seeing is flag to flag but you'll see a few of the other things and it's nice to be able to talk about that stuff when we go back to the you know you're going back to the hotel or back to the house or to the trailer when it's over with and usually my husband is working in the back pens and he's like hey what happened with da 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 and I was like oh yeah this is what happened you know, this is what really happened and the judges had this to say about it after the rodeo was done and we got to talk about it so it's kind of nice you, you kind of get to be a little bit in the know uh, when you're doing this job so yeah What's the craziest thing that you've seen happen in the arena that when you've been timing it was just really wild that happened? Probably the the most surprising, scary thing I've seen, and everybody saw it, so it wasn't exclusive to me, was um, we're at a rodeo and a horse went down and the rider came off and the horse was scared to death. She was a young horse that got up and ran between they had the the ram truck out there for the barrels and she ran between the truck and the fence somehow missed the tailgate smashed in the back fender of the dually on the truck because she ran between the truck and the fence and went around and as everyone was she was headed for the tractor and the ground tool and people were trying to catch her and she circled back and then she headed right for it and one of it actually ended up being one of my friends just reached out just lightly caught her by the bridle and she settled right down and came back to her and at that rodeo she was the second to last horse to run so there was one more barrel racer to go 
and at that point the judges just shut it down and everything stopped the ram rep came out got the truck out they picked up the barrels took out the tractor and we saw this barrel racer that still needed to make her run and so it was kind of like okay what are we doing <laughs> what's going on and still had to finish you know the bull riding well it was the last night so that's when they were awarding the year-end awards well a lot of mm-hmm. things were up in the air so just kind of threw something out there for the barrel race but none of the barrel racers came down because they were in the back because it had been decided that everyone who had run in that performance had the opportunity for a rerun but we had this one rider who she only got to make one run and others got to make a second run which is which was different it was weird it was something i'd never seen before um the gal i was timing when she'd been timing way longer than i had she'd never seen it before either so that was probably the scariest and the most still still gets talked about to this day you know event that happened so it's kind of tough I heard about that story too and it had to be a scary situation for the judges to have not given that last girl the chance to run because I mean rodeo grounds not known for always being the best in the first place and if it was bad enough that they thought it was a big safety hazard I'm sure they were just trying to to keep everybody safe and make the best decision that they could right and it's, and it's the judge's decision you know it was just a little bit tough too because the exhibit, you know the contestant wanted to go out and the judges were like no nope, that's it so yeah you know, you you can kind of look at it and say, well, that's a little bit strange, and yeah. that's, you know, really weird, but ultimately it's the judge's call, and, you know, win, lose, or draw, you know, we still have to support them, and we can always kind of cock our head at it, but it's just like, well, it's that's why the judges get paid what they get paid, and that's their decision, and, you know, all we, all we can do is be thankful that there was no permanent damage, and I'm so glad that horse didn't step on the drag, that was, oh, man, that was a been... really, really great horse, and it would have been a horrible, horrible, horrible thing to happen. That so. would have been awful. That's rodeo, so. Right? Uh, <laughs> what what is the hardest thing about your job? Um, I think the, the hardest thing is you're always you know as soon as you get up up into that timer's booth, you you need to be on your game. Whether it's you know the, for the performance for the contestants and the performance, or whether it's hours and hours of slack at seven o'clock in the morning when you didn't get done with the rodeo the night before till eleven. You know, getting up there and slack starts at seven, but that means we've done the draw at five. And so it's a lot of long hours, and you've got to be on your game the whole time. You know, you've got to be paying attention. you got to know who's up. A lot of times, especially in slack, we're timing. We've got the console to monitor, and we're also announcing and writing down the times and trying to keep track of everything. So that's the hardest thing at times is no matter how tired you are, how cold, you've gotten sick you got a bunch of other distractions you kind of have to put that aside because that contestant is counting on you to be accurate and and make sure everything is fair so that it's a balanced competition so at at times that's kind of tough something else is going on in the back of your mind you have to be dialed in and and make sure that you're accurate yeah i can imagine that's got to be a lot of pressure because the contestants are counting on you for their next paycheck and it's definitely good that we have timers out there that can focus like that because I think I would be a little bit too much of a squirrel. Just, <laughs> I don't know if I would have it in me. <laughs> What's something about a timer's job that you think most people wouldn't know? I know from, from the limited amount of contestant I did in pro rodeo, but then just as a contestant in general, I, I don't think that what 
the secretaries and the timers do for the contestants is always appreciated. Contestant thinks, I show up, I pay my fees, and everything goes. And it's like, well, there are people in there who made sure that your calf was drawn correctly and legally, which the timers, we, we have to be there and we record the numbers, you know, we're there as witnesses, the judges draw the cattle. Then we have to post those numbers that has to be posted accurately. They want the time, the contestants, they want to see their times. Well, the timers are the ones who up there wrote it all down, made sure it was correct, it was all legal, we transfer it over. The secretary makes sure everything is transferred and reported appropriately, that everything's calculated right, that everyone's, if they're trading or drawn out or doctor releasing, that it's done legally and that everything's appropriately done. And there's a lot of different components to making things go smoothly that not everyone who's a contestant understands until they've actually been part of it. Yeah. One of our, our timed event director for the circuit, he's a really great steer wrestler. He even caught me. He's like, I had no idea what you guys did all this. And I was like, you, you're not expected to know. But now that you know, you can understand a little better and you respect and you understand why we do things the way we have to do it. We can't yeah. just have you guys, oh, hey, you know, Bob's ready to go and his steer's in here. Well, you need to call up and let the timers know so that we can record his time correctly. Otherwise, it goes onto Joe's sheet and then it just falls all apart. <laughs> So we have to keep track of all that. I've actually stopped, a few years ago, I actually stopped Slack because I saw a guy ride into the box and they were getting ready to go. And I was, I was like, that's not who's next on the list. I actually stopped them. I'm like, hey, guys, we just need to check, make sure I've, my list says it's this person and I know that's not him in the box. And they're like, oh, no, we did, it, did a little horse trading out here. I'm like, okay, run me the list. I'm not doing anything until I get this correct. And... I felt kind of pushy for doing it, but I actually did get thanked and complimented by the judges afterwards. They're like, you know, we've never had a, a timer do that as respectfully as you did it because it's so critical. We just forgot to tell you. And I was like, yeah, I'm just glad I caught it because otherwise we'd have a heck of a mess. So we got some really angry guys later because they don't care what name you call. They know where they're supposed to be. Yeah. They don't really listen to that. But when it goes gets posted on the sheets, you know, when the secretary turns it in, that's it. Yeah. You know, there's no fixing it, so it needs to be right. For sure. We had, um, I was at a rodeo last fall, and the the draw that was posted by the arena for the stock numbers was different than the draw that was posted um, by the announcer stand on the secretary sheets and the judges sheets. And it was in the steer wrestling, and they ran the steer before anybody realized that the draw was off. And the contestant actually tried to speak up and say, hey, this isn't what I drew, but on the judges' sheet, it was right. So they ran that one, and then it wasn't until the next kid, too, was like, hey, no, this isn't, you know, our sheets are different than what you guys are telling us. And they brought back the animals that they were supposed to run and re-ran both of those two steer wrestlers because they had let them run the wrong ones in the first place. Yeah. And that was just... Yeah, that's where it's, it's a lot of consistency and double-checking and, yeah. Know, a, we always carry white out with this, and we, that's why we work <laughs> as a team. We can double-check each other's work, so... Yeah, yeah. just goes to it's, show... It's embarrassing. It's, it'd be embarrassing for me as the person who posted it because I, I hate for snags to be my fault. I want to make sure that I'm seamless, and if something goes wrong try to keep it off of off of my plate i'm more than willing to help fix stuff but i want to make sure that i'm not the broken wheel yeah kind of going back to what you said about being the circuit secretary i mean like we were talking just about making sure that everything goes smoothly and most people don't know behind the scenes what all goes on just to get a jacket or 
get their tax forms, things like that. You wouldn't even think that somebody's back there behind the scenes making all that happen so that you don't have to, to worry about it. Right. And, and what's gotten a little bit easier is as I've done the job a little longer, the Cowboys and all the contestants, the Cowboys and the Cowgirls, you know, they're learning that if I reach out to them, I need the information and I need it for a reason. And they've, they've gotten to where you know, initially it would take, you know, three, four days to hear back from them because they didn't really know who I was or what I wanted. And now, as an example, I was filling out the entry forms for Ram Circuit Finals. And I was texting them all, going down the line and texting everybody. And I was just like, I need to coat size for Ram Circuit Finals as soon as possible. And I had my list filled out within 20 minutes. So I, I heard back from them. And that's... We got seven events, and there's two for, you know, 14 plus the team ropers. I mean, you know, I heard back from 16 people, 20 people within 20 minutes. So they're, they're getting a lot. I'm getting them trained in is what I joke. <laughs> I was like, we're getting each other trained in. They know they can come to me with suggestions or things that they want to see. One thing, you know, I, I brought in, I asked them if they wanted, because we have a lot of trouble getting enough votes for, I also tabulate the votes for the rodeo of the year. We have small, medium, and large rodeos of the year awards that we give out in the circuit. And in the past, we always mailed out a ballot. Um, and then, they, of course, then they got to fill it out and they got to mail it back. Well, you'd maybe hear from 16 or 20 contestants. And so I asked them two years ago, because we didn't do voting this year, I was like, how do you guys want to manage this voting for rodeo of the year? Do you want to do an electronic survey? And they're like, yeah, yeah, let's do that. Send it out. I had to. I actually had to up my permit amount for the survey because I had so many respondents. I think I had like 183 respondents. So it was definitely a lot more balanced and a lot. I feel like it was a lot more fair to the committees. Um, you, weren't, you weren't relying on someone to remember to drop something in the mail. They could just go on their phone, open up the link, and vote, and they did it that way. And so then as contract personnel director, then I worked with the rough stock director, and that's how we voted for the pickup men, the bullfighters, and the barrel men this year for circuit finals. And that went that went pretty well as well. A couple things that still need to tweak, but we're improving and kind of bringing ourselves into the new era of everybody's got a phone with them. They don't get home to get their mail, but they got their phone and yeah. they get those voting done. So, and then they have then they've got a little bit of meat in the game, and they feel like they're being heard. Yeah. And that's awesome. It's good that the communication is there between the contestants and between you guys. And I think sometimes contestants, we don't realize that the people running the rodeo are there to help you. Right. And, it, and it's definitely a lot easier, too, when contestants come up with suggestions rather than just complaints. Yeah. I mean, I, I know that my husband being on the committee and from being a timer or even my job as the circuit secretary, if I've had contestants come up saying, hey, you know, this is what happened, we weren't too happy with it, how about this, or is there another way? It definitely goes over a lot better than someone kind of, oh, this is just awful, and blah, blah, blah. Well, what would you like to do about it? And they don't have an answer. It's like, if you don't have a suggestion or you're not going to ask me to come up with another way, I'm not as likely to listen. So it's just kind of like, well, everybody's got to complain about something, and it's like, I'm just your sounding board. That's fine. I'm not going to take that too bad. But when it's kind of constant, then it's like, well, so what are you going to do about it? And I think he yeah. asked one one time. I was like, so what do you want to do about it? He's like, well, I just want to tell somebody. I said, oh, you just need to vent. I said, that's fine. And I just, <laughs> he kind of looked at me, and I said, if you don't have a way to fix it, I'm not going to offer up anything else. Yeah. 
Oh okay, well, then the next time he's like, well, could we do this? I'm like, you know what? I'll look into that for you. That's so, what we were looking for. <laughs> exactly. I was just That's like, you funny. know, it's okay. And he's, and this particular contestant, he sure has grown up a lot since I've been working with him. It's just like, okay, now we understand each other. You know how I want to be talked to, and you know what I'm going to say if you don't come at it. And I don't ask for to be treated like a queen, but I'm like, you know, don't come yeah. at me with a problem. Help me work out a solution, and I'll do whatever you need, so... Well, hey, we all got to grow up and have a learning curve now and then. So, yeah. Okay. And I do myself, too. I mean, there's still times where I kind of sit back, and I'll even say to the other time or the secretary, and I'm like, hey, what do you think about this? Or how should I handle something like that? And we kind of help each other out, too. Yeah. So it's, it's a great sisterhood to, to be in. I've got some, had some really great company to work with and still do. And, yeah. Uh, definitely look forward to the time I get to spend with them. Yeah, I bet. Well, how do you, if a contestant does have something like that or something that they've seen that maybe they've got some suggestions about what, as the secretary or as the timer, how do you want a contestant to approach you and look to make those changes or bring that up? You know, it kind of depends on what they see or what they don't like. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of times there are things that have to go to the judges. You know, it's a, it's a judge's call. Um, I know that we've definitely something as simple as um, sometimes, and, there, and it has happened where a steer ended up in the draw that he wasn't supposed to be. And I can tell you that when they, when the contestants come up and say, you know, could could we ask, could we double check the draw? We think that there's some incorrect steers in there. Would you mind double checking that for us? Definitely, I'll jump right in it. It's it's a, received a lot better. Um, they've always been really understanding about it. It's when a contestant comes in all in a huff and all bent out of shape. This rule is so stupid. That that's the wrong damn calf. And you know, cussing. And I'm like, they're already having a bad day. And if they want to take it out on the judges or they want to take it out on the timers, the circuit's like, hey, we're doing our job, but mistakes happen. Yeah. And I did not realize that you were the perfect almighty and that we're here just to serve you. you know? <laughs> but, you know. You missed that somewhere. Yeah, it happens sometimes. <laughs> but it's like, if they approach, if you go up and approach as, I'm very concerned about the ground, who can I talk to you about that? I've got, I've got some concerns or I've got some questions about this alleyway. I'm, I'm a little bit concerned. Who can I talk to? And, and then you say, oh, hey, we need to get you in touch with the rodeo chairman. We'll, we'll track him down for you. We've yeah. done that. I've run out and found people. It's when you come in, kind of, I'm not asking for it. I don't think we need a hat in hand. But just come in respectfully. Yeah. You know, we're all there. We just want to help you. But when you come in all hostile and aggravated and all that, it's like, okay, go go chill your boots, you know, for about five, ten minutes, take a deep breath. And when you want to come in here and look, we'll work together on it, we're more than happy to do that. But nobody deserves to get yelled at, you know, no. for all that. Because it's, it's not professional. It's not how you treat people. And it's just like, well, you know, so-and-so is in here stomping and blowing his steam again. And it's just like, okay, whatever. And you don't really <laughs> listen to him anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're just like, yeah, he hasn't come in here. He hasn't yelled about anything for a while. Or, well, she hasn't complained about this a little bit. It, we were just due. Whereas if they come in politely. Yeah. Not condescending, but just come in and be polite about it. Then it, it definitely gets received a lot better all the way around. From the, yeah. Because the judges have feelings, too. They may act like they don't, but they do. So they like to be treated like human beings. They may not act like it, but they do. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, as the judges, I mean, they're the ones that take the blunt of the angry contestants who didn't think they got a fast enough flag or whatever, and those judges kind of have to be a little bit tough to that and just, like, well, this is what it is. Yeah, yeah. Well, and my husband, he's a card judge in the amateurs and, and that, and the thing that he and I talk about a lot is the judge has to know the rule book inside out, forwards and backwards, and he's, he's got to be consistent. Mm-hmm. And as long as he's consistent, you know, he makes it as fair as possible. Yeah. And you just kind of have to to know and understand that. Now, are there do judges make mistakes? Absolutely, they can. They're human. A lot of it, though, and so much of the world and what happens, it's, you see it. It's 10% what happens to you, 90% how do you react. Yeah. And a lot of times, especially when we don't have instant replay, it's like, okay, was that the right call? Wasn't it the right call? But that's why there's also another judge. They'll usually consult on those tricky things and other stuff like that. So Yeah, really just all goes back to that being respectful in the manner with which you conduct yourself. Always exactly. very, very important. And if you're hot and you're bent out of shape about it, it's okay to take a little bit of time to cool off, you know, and, and gather yeah. yourself. And then, because once those words are said, you, you can't take them back. And you've made that impression and you're building that reputation for yourself. Everything you do, you're building a reputation. And if it's negative, it takes a lot longer to erase the negative than to just keep building on a positive. Right. And I think a lot of times if you just give yourself five minutes to think about something, the words that come out of your mouth will be a little bit different than if you would have just... Yeah, spouted it off. Yeah. Yeah. You might have think you felt better spouting it off, but the, the judge or the secretary or the timer that you offend today, you might need to be your best friend tomorrow at the next rodeo. Yeah. So you kind of have to think about that stuff, too. Absolutely. And it's hard because, you see, I could have, would have, should have, you know, and you can do that all day long. And But I think as a contestant, it's important to know and understand just because just because you think that a judge or a secretary or a timer doesn't like you, you know, they, they may or may not. However, the key to the core of our profession is we are professionals. Yeah. So I may, I may not like a person because of something they did or didn't do or how they handled something, but I'm going to be, I have my integrity and I'm a professional. They're going to get a fair run for me. Yeah. And, and I know the judges and the secretaries are like, we don't like him. But he's got a fair shot, just like everybody else. And contestants need to understand that. It's like you, a judge may not like you, or you may think they don't like you, but they're not trying to burn you for that because they are professional and they conduct themselves with the integrity. Right. And the crazy thing is, if you just conduct yourself appropriately and respectfully, and go out and do your job, you shouldn't have to worry about it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. A little bit off topic, but do you have a favorite rodeo? Oh, man. <laughs> I got lots of favorite rodeos for lots of different reasons. There's different aspects about every rodeo that is kind of my favorite, and that's why, I like, with 2020, it was heartbreaking, the, the rodeos that got canceled. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I love, I love Casper, Wyoming, even though it's way out of my circuit, but I love Casper <laughs> just because to be able to go to Wyoming and one of my great friends timing partners that's her country and so to be able to go out there and see some different cowboys and some different ground and and look at things a little differently that's great about that rodeo um sydney is you know just that sydney iowa um it's a great like circuit rodeo that's kind of the old home week my family actually is from 
just a tiny little town just north of Sydney, so that's kind of going back home for me. My cousins live back there, get to visit a little bit. Um, just really feels real homey. Great camping, nice swimming pool right there. I can take the kids and burn them out. There's a park right there on the rodeo grounds. It's all there. Yeah. Uh, Sykeston, Missouri is a new one I just started going to a couple of years ago. And I think everyone needs to experience a Sykeston <laughs> once in their life. <laughs> I've only heard yeah. stories about Sykeston, but man, are they good ones. <laughs> great, great people, wonderful committee, just a fabulous community. You, you got to go to Lambert's and get throat rolls. And, <laughs> um, just, a, just a really great, great town, awesome rodeo, just a fabulous committee. Uh, the Dayton Rodeo, the, there's nothing like the hill in Dayton. Um, a lot of cowboys, you know, that's kind of on their bucket list for their career. They got to come at least once, and then they kind of keep coming back. Just, again, it's it's a great community support. Uh, Fort Madison is just fabulous committee, awesome hospitality. That rodeo arena is just really something else. Uh, for me, the fun part is getting to take my own horse, and we keep the horses clear across the section now over at the ball fields, and kind of run them in every morning and run them back out and just yeah. a little bit of taste of that home range stuff so and great lake circuit finals is just it's a lot of fun it's probably about the only indoor building rodeo that i that i'm around that i get to do um consistently and a lot of work a lot of planning but it's so great to see the the cowboys and cowgirls that seen all year at the different rodeos come in there the top 12 that had a great year and get to compete to to win, I think we have the highest payout of all circuit finals. That's the right circuit finals. They get to yeah. compete for that, and that's a lot of fun to watch too. So can't can't just pick one as the best <laughs> because there's just so many elements. They're all so unique that yeah, um, I just I just love them all. Absolutely, that's awesome. Kind of jumping back a little bit, but how do you balance? You've got the two young kids and your family life on the road when you're going and you're timing and everything. You've got your day job and being the secretary for the Great Lakes Circuit, among, I'm sure, many other things. How do you balance all of that? I make a lot of lists. (laughs) (laughs) I make a lot of lists. Um, You know, my husband is, is very supportive, even though he's very busy with his own job and uh, and career and his interests as well but it's for me it's, it's a lot of lists it's just kind of I do a lot of compartmentalizing so it's like okay I've, I've got to go time now and I'm only going to focus on that and then as soon as I say okay now i got to switch to mom mode for a while take care of all the that get a phone call Mr. Wayne from the circuit needs something or needs information okay we take care of that I, I'm really good compartmentalizing but I do I have a lot of lists and somehow just being able to check those off and kind of keep track of myself is it feels like that's how I gotta do it so (laughs) you just kind of work that way this year was a little bit of a challenge because actually my my son he was almost two at the time he and I had to go to Sydney by ourselves because my husband didn't have enough vacation time so he and my daughter came towards the end of the week so it was just me and my son and my babysitter actually backed out on me like two days before I left for Sydney so I was like oh what am I gonna do (laughs) I called everybody I could I everybody was gone had plans couldn't be gone that long and I was even like I was like even if you just come Tuesday afternoon you can leave on Friday I just I gotta have somebody Mm -hmm. and so actually I reached out to one of our he's actually the guy that 
make sure everybody gets parked, takes care of the campgrounds in Sydney. I reached out to him, and he's like, no, we'll, we'll find somebody to keep an eye on him, and he actually did. He found me. She's actually a vendor at the rodeo that she watched my son Tuesday night for the first performance, and then in the meantime, I had reached out to uh, Josh Hilton, Hambone, <laughs> uh, the sound man, because that's his hometown, and my I had reached out to him just saying, you know, hey, would, would your wife, because they have a little boy who is almost to turn one, I said, you know, would your wife be willing to trade me some babysitting? I need somebody to watch my son during Slack and the performances. Well, he actually asked his mom, and she knew of a high school rodeo girl that lived right there that could babysit so I called her and that was a godsend she was just fabulous and knew about rodeo was familiar with it Stanton absolutely loved her and she was dead on time she's way more reliable than the regular babysitter I've been using so <laughs> we kind of friended and got along and I was like well hey she's got a younger sister even and I said so I said can I plan on you for next year and she's like absolutely she goes I had a great time so get in a jam like that the great thing is, is you can reach out to different rodeo people as you come into the area whether you need a place to lay over or fix your truck or find a babysitter and they always come through and help you out so yeah that is really great that is great about the rodeo family i've noticed that too when i drive back to school like you said just laying over anytime that i want to stop and don't want to make the whole 13 hours in one day i've got a whole bunch of people along my route that i can call that i know from high school rodeo or just from rodeoing back home and they're always come on bring the horses we've got pins yep. and a couch oh yeah well it's like for for the dayton rodeo i mean i've got a house full and we've got shuffle and we've consolidated and moved some other pastures and my neighbors just know that our place is going to have a whole bunch of extra trucks and trailers and a bunch of extra cars and at least 15 extra head of horses for that weekend. And it, it feels real quiet when everybody's left. And then right before we, you know, we run it so hard because we do Dayton and everybody's here. I can't even tell you how many. I don't even, there's times I'm like, who is that? And who are they with? <laughs> you know, I don't remember them showing I, up. Yeah, and I, I always make sure I bake the first few days ahead of time so there's always plenty of food around everybody just it's okay you're home whatever's here you can have take care of your horses and whatever you need to do you do and treat it like your house then we load up and we go to Fort Madison but when we get home from Fort Madison it's like wow it sure is quiet around here and you know it feels like we're, we're a few horses short because we've had so many around for, for a week so but that's what's great about it too is I know that I could anytime I'm in the area in their areas I can call those people and yeah. They'll definitely put up my horse and give me a place to crash. So it's For a great sure. family. Whether you're in pro rodeo or high school rodeo or even the little youth organizations, it's nice. It's a nice community because everybody helps each other out. Absolutely. Rodeo people really are the best people. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, they absolutely <laughs> are. Well, I was going to say horse show people, but I don't want oh, to well. think it's like the big show people. You got those little show clubs that, yeah. um, you know, I grew up in that and that organization, I mean, when my mom got sick, everybody with that organization was really, really helpful and really looked out for our family, too. So I think I think overall, when you get yourself in with the right group of horse people, whether you're rodeo or you're in the right horse show group or play days or Gimkana or whatever it is, I just think horse people are overall the best. Absolutely. They just really are. Absolutely. And then with the kind of horse club stuff and rodeo and family, you've got your two little kids. How are you getting them into the sport? Or do you think that they're going to kind of take off and jump into it the way that you did with your family? 
You know, I, I hope so. Um, my husband's not as he's not real into the the horse shows, and he's supportive. But to go to a horse show for the whole day, just his eyes start to roll over a little bit. And <laughs> before we had the kids, he would come to a jackpot with me once in a while, and just that tractor drag every five runs just about drove him to. Yeah, about driving to madness. So, Those will wear anybody uh, out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was just like, oh, here comes the tractor. <laughs> but um, both of the kids really enjoy riding. Sabrina did show, she bought herself a pony, and she did some showing last year. What helps with that is my sister and her kids show, so that's still kind of a family thing. She can go hang out with her cousins and show her pony and, and all that. So she's kind of, she's a little bit more of a timid rider. She likes to trail ride. So right now with her, I'm just kind of focusing on kind of making sure her horsemanship is correct. I don't want to hound on her too much and just let her enjoy it. So, you know, if she wants to go around the barrels, I encourage that. If she wants to just trail ride, great. If she wants to go to horse shows, we tune and we correct and we train at home. And then when she goes into the arena, I'm like, I'm here if you need me, but you're out there. You're the one that's got to do it. And I do the same thing with rodeo stuff. My son is two. He's definitely all boy. Um, loves loves to ride. Gets mad if we try to try, try to ride without him. Uh, I look for him. Um, he likes the buckers. So I told him, you know, and I've told, I had this conversation with my husband. I was like, when he gets older, I said, if he wants to ride saddle bronc, that's fine. Because I'm thinking, if I got when I got young horses, I need somebody to get the buck out of them. Um, it's gonna work out for you too. Yeah, exactly. But, um, he loves to ride. I kind of look for him to, to do that. He's got enough athletic ability already. I think he might saddle bronc a little bit. And who knows? I, I would like for them to rope a little as well, just to kind of get that all around and decide where they where they really feel comfortable. So yeah. we'll just kind of see. that I'm going to give them every opportunity I can. They're definitely in the right environment to learn from, from some of the best. And right. I just, you know, it's offered to them if they decide it's not for them then we'll work something out. They decide they want to ride dirt bikes or dance or whatever. I feel like as a parent, that's that's kind of my job is to help support their what they want to do in their dreams. Absolutely. If you had any advice for other parents with little kids, what would it be? I think it would be make sure that you've got a horse or a pony, whatever animal you get. Make sure that it's, that it's appropriate for your kids' skill level and safe. I see a lot of kids that are overmounted, that are not on horses that that are appropriate for them. I encourage parents not to push it. Actually, as my coach, um, Renee Kenny, her son Matt, he's a wonderful calf roper now. He won the Great Lakes Circuit a few years ago, but when he was a kid, Matt wasn't interested. He was not interested in horses. Didn't want nothing to do with rodeo. And um, my my parents told Renee and Charles, you know, they just said don't push him he'll, he'll come around on his own and he kind of gradually started kind of wanting to go to the barrel races and did that and then he started roping and now he's a farrier and roping and I think he was on uh, I think he was on Cowboy Channel a couple weeks ago because he won calf roping somewhere down in Texas so it, it's hard as a parent you want to see your kid do better than you you want to see them definitely achieve dreams you have for them but it's also important to let the kids develop on their own. And if you see that they're interested in it, encourage but not push. And really, really pay attention to how your kid 
interact with it. There's kids who don't like to go fast that eventually do want to go fast. And there's kids who have zero interest. And then there's some kids that are gung-ho and never want to look at it again. So it's, it's tricky. I think the best thing we can do is give them the opportunities, give them the tools, and, and let them develop as, as they will. Yeah. Through your job and as much time as you've spent on the road, have you seen any theme or any trend that you think sets apart the really successful ones from the people who maybe don't have as much success in the arena? Yeah, I think the, the ones that are successful are the ones that have really committed committed to it. They're the ones that they might hang out and, and visit and socialize after the rodeo or sometimes they'll do a little bit before. But the ones that you can really see that are setting themselves apart are the ones that they're really focused on it. You know, if, if they're a riding event contestant, you know, they're they're definitely making sure that their horse is cared for and their tack and everything is squared away before they go to dinner or to go have a beer or, or sit and socialize. And the rough stock riders, you can always kind of tell the guy that he's friendly, but he's kind of sitting over by himself and getting his gear ready and he's really focused in. You might see them, all of the contestants, you might see them out socializing afterwards, but on the vast whole of the majority the really successful ones are not the ones shutting the bar down every night. They're going home, they're they're making sure they're eating correctly, that they're resting. It's not about walling yourself off from everybody else. You, you definitely can be social, you can definitely be friendly, but it's about, this is my job, I'm going to treat it like a job, and I'm not going to put things in or do things to my body that are going to prevent me from doing the best I possibly can. And you can tell that. Yeah. And I think in any sport, it's the people that that are really taking it serious and really focused on being their best all the time, not just when they're competing. And and it's a lot easier to accept that you've had an off day when you know, okay, I'm I'm doing the best I can all the time. Today was just not my day, but tomorrow's going to be better. Yeah. You know, rather than go out and, and blow it all off and, Okay, well, here we go again. You know, it's, it's like, well, you miss everything you don't try for. If you're doing the best you can, everyone's going to have an off day. Let's just try to make it a day instead of a instead of a career, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. That's good to keep in mind. One thing that we like to really put in every podcast is, do you have a favorite quote? Gosh, I, I love quotes. I lived by them, and then I had children, and it was basically survival <laughs> mode, so I had to think. <laughs> The fact that you're still standing and getting everything done that you get done, I think if you don't write all your quotes down, you're doing okay. <laughs> well, I used to write, you know, I used to write one of, there's actually a white marker board on my dorm room, and I used to check, put one up every week, and they, people would look forward to that, but I haven't done that a long time. I think it'll be different when both kids can read, it might be, might have to start that again. They won't listen to me, but they'll read it. <laughs> uh. Of a lot of different quotes, but kind of one that I kind of adhere to and look at is kind of keep your head down and, and you work a struggle in silence, and your accomplishments will speak for themselves. It's kind of, and I don't know, I'm sure someone wrote it down, and I'm sure someone said it way more eloquently than me, but everyone's got a struggle, and there's people who love to hear that, but I feel like if I, if I talk about my struggles in the wrong light, then I 
you get to where you're kind of dwelling on them and you stay down there whereas if you just kind of put your head down you get through it you're building you're improving as you're improving yourself people don't see you as a complainer they say wow you know that person's really pushing through and it's, it's the same if you're riding horses or doing a job I mean I, I wasn't looking for any of these opportunities that were that came my way I, I had my head down and I was working just doing the best I could at everything I was asked to do and it, it got me a timers card and then I kind of plugged along and I was disappointed that I didn't get selected for circuit finals but it's like well okay maybe next year well get home and here's a job that pays every year and you're going to be doing it as long as the president wants you to do it plus you still have opportunity I still have opportunity to time so yeah. I think not dwelling on what you don't have but doing the best you can with what you got kind of keeping a side eye on where you want to be you'll get there yeah I really love that that's really great I'm sure there's a way more concise way to say it but <laughs> But just that, like you said, keeping your head down and working at it, and the success will come when you're putting in the work. Right. Absolutely. And, and staying humble, I think, does a lot. I still I still smile about it because last year, again, as I said, everybody kind of crashes here. And last year during Dayton, Binion said, hey, says, uh, Sherry and Corey need a place to stay for the night. Is it okay if they come up and crash? They need to stall their horses. I said, well, how many stalls? Well, they needed six stalls. I'm like, yeah, okay, we'll make that work. And I came home, and uh, my little guy was asleep in the van, so and I went out to the barn to flip on the lights because we're talking, this is Sherry Servi and Corey Petska. Hey, they're already here. They beat me into the driveway by about, probably about two or three minutes. Oh, I'm like, man. oh, God, you know. <laughs> you know, because you know, whenever you got somebody coming in your barn, you want to make sure everything's looking decent. Yeah. And, yeah. and uh, it's like, go out to the barn I start flipping on lights and opening gates and kind of shuffling in the goats and I turn around and there, and Sherry Servey's walking through the door and she's like hi I'm Sherry and I was just like hi how you doing you know okay here's the, you know but for someone the the caliber and the the name recognition of Sherry Servey to to walk into a complete nobody stranger's barn and just introduce herself just like anybody else I'm like that's to me that's a lot of class that's a lot of humility um that's just one of the many things that everybody loves about her is yeah. she's just like everybody else and the fact that she felt she needed to introduce herself and i was like this <laughs> she's is been my hero forever i think i would have <laughs> passed out on the spot if sherry Servey was keeping her horses at my house <laughs> it would have been bad you'd see me in the hospital in the co- in a coma that's the great thing about rodeo people is a lot of them, the really, really great ones, they're humble and they know they have bad days and they know that we have horses and we rope and we compete too and maybe not at that level, maybe we can't afford to be gone like that, but uh, the really, really great cowboys and cowgirls, they understand that and they treat other people with the respect that, just like everybody else. Yeah, that's something that's that I love about rodeo and I remember being pretty little and we got to go out to Denver and we were sitting eating breakfast with Isaac Diaz and my dad gave me so much crap because I could eat breakfast with Isaac Diaz but I saw Lisa Lockhart earlier the day before and stopped in my tracks and almost fell down I was like guys it's Lisa Lockhart and that's Louie 
and I was just shaking and I mean I was probably I don't know 12 at the time <laughs> and I just couldn't handle it and my dad's like Isaac's been he's at the same level he's been to the NFR he's amazing and I was like but she's a barrel racer and he's like she's just a person too like what she does it's her life but she's just as easy to talk to as Isaac <laughs> I just yeah exactly I, little 12 year old me just couldn't handle it <laughs> I was starstruck in the biggest way. And then, oh, it was so funny. My brother took a picture of us, and my sweet, sweet big brother took the picture of me and Lisa and cropped Louie out of the picture. All I got is one of his ears. And I was like, are you kidding me? It's like, he's just as famous as she is. He was like, it's just a horse. And I was like, just a horse? Just a horse, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, when you think about it, they are just... They are really just horses, and they just happen to be super talented and trained really well, and it's kind of cool. And fell into the right hands. Yeah. Yeah. To, to work with the different personalities and and all that definitely takes, you know, cause a world champion in one barn is somebody else's soap. Right. <laughs> I think so that's got to fall in the right spot. <laughs> that's so cool too, watching the NFR this year and. Ryan Padone was jumping on a different horse every night and can go ride horses like that and then just the styles of all the different horses and you think you look at Stevie Hillman's horses and I don't know if her horses would really be that successful with with Lisa Lockhart riding them because they're so different than what Lisa rides and it's cool that they can all be so successful in their own way right and and I think it's totally what hands they fall into and and how they're handled and just like Haley Kinzel's horse, I mean, oh, how man. many? I've, you know, I've read the articles and and uh, and seen interviews and stuff, and and how many people would try to change that horse's turning style? Right. You know, if you take if you would take that mare and try and make her turn as bendy as Lindsay Sears Martha, yeah. you know, you'd ruined her. You know, you'd absolutely ruined her. And there's all those other different quirky personalities mm-hmm. that people need to work around. I mean. Brittany Posey is just a phenomenal rider, breeding her own horses, I mean, doing things that I'm sure people never thought she'd be able to do, and, I mean, she's a heck of a hand, she didn't have the finals that anyone wanted to see her have, but, I mean, she's got some horsepower there, and all of those, Ryan Padone had, you know, she lost her great stud in a trailer accident down there, you know, but she still showed up every night, and she rode, and rode hard, Uh, Wenda Johnson, you know, hardly went to any rodeos and got there. And um, Talk about somebody that can ride, too. Yeah, oh, oh my boy. goodness. She's actually a friend of my sister's. Really? Yeah, Kelly and Wenda are good friends. And, uh, you know, she'd catch ride and then switch, you know, rode Titan for a couple rounds and something just really great. And then the horse that got her there ended up winning her the second place check in the 10th round. And it's a lot of, a lot of tenacity and just talented talented women and fabulous horses and but it's it's again it's about falling into the right hands and knowing this is i can work with this horse or that's not my style and yeah and they can be great things or they won't yeah it's a lot that's one of the things too when you mentioned sherry one of the things that i've always really admired about her is for the variety of horses that she rides and can work with and still really thrive with her as their jockey. Just all of the horses that she's had over the years, none of them have been exactly the same, and the fact that she can go ride all of those different horses on that level is, is crazy to me. She's, she's so tuned in to all of her animals. This horse needs that. 
I need to make sure that she is here and not next to this one. And I mean, she knows exactly. Mm-hmm. She's really dialed into them and, and knows what they need. And Stingray's just so exceptional and she's quirky and she's got her certain things. But as a horsewoman, you know, Sherry, she's paid attention to that and she's accommodated her. And it's just phenomenal to watch and a lot, definitely a great example for people to learn from is that horse anybody else would probably try and make her do certain things to conform to how they think that a horse should behave and who knows that she probably wouldn't perform at the level she has had had somebody done that to her yeah those really great horses they're gonna have quirks like (laughs) there's the things that make them super special and super talented makes them a little bit different sometimes too (laughs) Mm -hmm. i have to deal with it but oh that's amazing like I said, I would have passed out on the spot if she would have showed up with her whole rig. If I drove in my driveway and Sherry Serby was standing there, I'd... <laughs> I, and, and the thing is, I mean, and I do, I honor and appreciate everyone's experiences and, and all of that. And one of my favorite things to do is, especially like when Sunny's in the mood to, to talk about things she's done and places she's been. I mean, she... Sunny grew up in rodeo. Her dad had scoreboards. Her mom was a secretary. But she rode for Cotton Rosser back when they would do the grand entrances. And it was basically like a Wild West show with the rodeo. Yeah. And she talked about with all the girls and having to wear the costumes and have the big false eyelashes. And you weren't allowed to get off the bus unless you were in full makeup, even if you were doing chores. And just the stories that Sunny can tell. All these friends of hers are trick riders and talk about all the different tricks and some of the really innovative people and acts and stuff that she's she's had the privilege and honor of knowing and just to be able to listen to her stories is is a lot of fun for me that's what I enjoy about getting to travel and work with her is like the Forey Smith the guy that's on Yellowstone yeah the old guy with the mustache uh-huh. Sonny Sonny's known him since he was young and a little guy and trying uh-huh. cowboy and she can tell you stories about everybody and and that's again it's yeah, you tell the rewrite stories, but when you got somebody who's, you can hear the rewrite stories from the road stuff, or from somebody who grew up in it and lived, lived that life her entire life, it's, yeah. it's really a treat. It's a lot of fun. And I can't even imagine the, the growth that she's seen in rodeo and, like you said, oh, in the production yeah. from when it was the Wild West shows to rodeos like we have now. I mean... Yeah, well, like, she talks about having to get to the town X number of days before the rodeo the only place there was a telephone was a bar. She gets sent ahead by her mother to go to this bar to answer the phone because that's where the cowboys would call to end the rodeo ahead of time. Oh, man. It didn't go through ProCom. It, they actually called the rodeo secretary. So they had to go get set up and take the entries down and write it all, and it's all by hand. And yeah. now download the rosters from the computer and shift and shuffle, and it calculates it, but you got to double-check it because yeah. every computer system has their little hiccups. But, yeah, just those things have changed. And from the days when you had a band playing the music or an organist. Oh, the big to, band. <laughs> yeah, you used to have the big band. I mean, Sydney in 2001, when my sister was queen, Sydney had marching band that would play, and they would actually go out and march in the arena for the grand entry. And that sort of thing, to to have a profession such as sound director, you know, music director, to have a, now there's a whole profession of that. Well, when I started rodeo, when I was a kid, 10 or 15 years old, really became aware of it, there, there was no such thing. The announcer, it got to where, when I was in college, the announcer would have somebody up there with a tape deck, 
playing music. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> a different I mean, time. I, I remember being in college and going over to Tama because Barnes's was putting a rodeo on over at Meskwaki, over at the casino, and the announcer was out there on horseback, and I went up there in the office to talk to Miss Tanita for a while, and they had a microphone stuck up next to a boombox and a tape deck, and they were playing tapes and stopping tapes and shuffling tapes and doing all that to play music for the performance. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so... That's what it was like. <laughs> it hasn't been that long. It seems like it was a long time ago, but it hasn't been that long. Yeah. Since they, everything's just, stepped up a lot. There's just been so a crazy, crazy amount of innovation in that amount of time. Exactly. And, and jobs you didn't think could exist. It's become more of a production family entertainment than a Wild West show or go sit and watch Robin for oh, absolutely. Six hours. Well, and even like just what the Cowboy Channel's done in the past year. I mean, what a, the great time that they got all of their stuff going right before the coronavirus and everything because I wouldn't have hardly been able to go to a rodeo or see any pro rodeos if it hadn't been for all the ones that they had televised because there weren't any around where I was at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Stuff I think like the Cowboy that. Channels, that partnership's just been, been great. Oh, great for rodeo. I think it's, it's helping. It's definitely made it a lot more visible. People don't have to necessarily have cable packages. You can download the app on your phone or on your computer and watch the rodeo there. Your only limitation there is internet access. And for the most part, people don't have a problem with that anymore. Um, Definitely, it's a lot more mainstream. It's a lot easier. So cool. Easier for people to to see it and to kind of know what's happening. And the fun thing is, is uh, Casper last year was actually televised. Really? Yeah, and so when we came home, when it aired, uh, it was on RFD, so it was before the Cowboy Channel started, so it was on RFD, and we were watching it, and it was, they're getting ready for the mutton busting, and you watch in the corner of the uh, thing, I was like, that looks like Luke, and then there's my daughter, (laughs) (laughs) there's my daughter shushing the sheep, and I was just like, oh my god, so we've still got that clip saved on the DVR, I was just like, who is that, (laughs) she's Shushing the sheep. I was like, well, you've been on TV now, so it's all downhill from here. <laughs> right. Had her first moment of fame. So I was like, yep, you're done now. But I'm like, well, I'm glad I got a paycheck because you're getting famous. So. <laughs> oh, my gosh, that's funny. Any last piece of advice? I think, you know, especially for kids, um, no matter what level you're at, um, no matter where you're going, just always remember to speak clearly have good manners and be respectful of the folks that are putting on the rodeo, whether they're in the office judging your gate man, uh, even the guys down taking the ropes off. Always use your pleases and thank yous and be respectful because it's those people's hard work who are making your rodeo career and your day um, possible. And I think that if you are that contestant that's polite and respectful on time and paying attention it's it's a life skill it's going to take you a long ways whether you stick with rodeo or choose another avenue for your life absolutely that is awesome i could not have said any of that better myself (laughs) you're good man you are good at this (laughs) oh good i'm glad Awesome. Well, Chris, thank you so, so much for doing this podcast with me today. There was so much amazing information. I learned a lot about everything that you do. Did not know that you had that much going on. Oh, <laughs> like I said, 
lot of it's head down and just kind of keep plowing through. So most people have to ask me directly before I'll talk a whole lot. And then he can't shut me up, so I call and text. Oh, you're good. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It was awesome. But so thank you so much for talking to me today. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for calling. <laughs>